that's true. You should be near me. How? how about... Nicky Lauder. I'm Nicky Lauder. We're not funny started thing, yet, have we? Funny thing, yeah, yeah, we've started. I've, uh, I've done that right. So we're on Audacity. Uh huh. And now we're broadcasting live. No, we're not. Now we're broadcasting live to anyone who wants to listen. Hello. Hello, uh, uh, listener. listener. Um, I the microphone is further away from me than it is from James is because that, I'm Nicky Lauder. Is that Nicky, <laughs> Nicky Lauder? It, it, I was going to say he's quite um, he's quite quietly spoken, isn't he? Nicky Lauder. Is Nicky Lauder dead? Oh, what am I doing? Oh, it's coming through an air like oh, how weird is that? Switch it oh, off. Switch it off. I'm switching it off. It's going off. There we go. It's going off. I was going to um. I was going to tweet, but um, I've decided not to. One of, one of the things this is proving is uh, the technology is going to be um, frightening to me. Oh, it's still going! <laughs> it's still going! This is just like um, when we did Stacey's thing, isn't it? Yes. And it all it all went horribly wrong then, didn't it? You were quite chilled out and then it all went wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I've got lots of technology in front of me. No one's listening, so we're golden. Good. I'm very uncomfortable with the whole live uh, live thing. I don't really know. It feels like it's been a few weeks since we've taught, we've done anything. It does feel like a long together. time since we've done anything, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and um, a lot's happened in 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 the w- world of my self awareness. I told my boss, "Have we got? Have we got our coffees the wrong way around?" Yeah, I just had a sweet coffee, um, and I'm in diabetes. So, oh, are you, you still? Wait, are we? You've probably killed me now. Do you have diabetes now? Mm. Who knows? I think so. I'm still taking the pills, but... Fucking Schrodinger's diabetes. <laughs> Schrodinger's diabetes. If Schro- oh, man, this is too loud now as well. <laughs> Let me turn that down. There we go. Yeah, if uh, if my diabetes uh, has a, uh, a hypo in the forest and there's no one there to see it, how quickly would I die? Uh, probably quite quickly. I don't really know. Do people die of hypos? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Because all I know about them is I've got a friend who basically just turned into an arsehole every time he had a major league hypo. Like a proper obnoxious shit. Yeah, um, it does that. And, um, yeah, so what do we normally talk about on this one? I'm feeling very... It's been really weird. I work in a university, James. Yeah. And in universities, September is always really difficult. Mm. And there's been a new wrinkle... Uh, um, a couple of new wrinkles thrown into my particular team, none of which I can go into. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, this week was very busy. Very well, I was off sick for a couple of days, and then it was very busy, very busy, very busy. And then I uh, uh, finally uh, sent my boss an email about um, the fact that I went in for that autism assessment. Right. Which um, I <laughs> probably gives some indication of how weird. The couple of weeks had been going, but there was just a there was just a situation where I had asked him uh, informally if something strange was going on. What is happening? I go. can't possibly hear myself while we're. If I don't only, want. I don't want to hear what I'm saying. If only you could hear yourself, Nick. <laughs> but I'd asked him. Um, I'm playing the theme tune. Oh, was that the cold open? <laughs> Cold open, Nick. Oh, good. That was the cold open. This is going swimmingly. Yeah, I think um, so. So, yeah, I we I had an incident earlier in the week where I uh, I sent my boss an informal email saying is something odd going on because it feels like uh, feels like people are being a bit odd, and he dismissed it. Just said no, dismissed it. Uh, didn't deflect it. Just dismissed it, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then used it as a, a way of saying that I, if I was working harder, I wouldn't note it. You know, I wouldn't be spending so much time watching other people in the office. Wow. Uh, and it was, I think it was meant as a joke, but you can't really make that sort of joke when you're yeah. a line manager. And then it turned out I was right and people were being weird and there was something going on. So I was like, I was furious. Okay. And then in my head, um, in my head, I started, just 
this is going to be probably one of the first times I say this out loud in a recorded medium, and it's just occurring to me exactly how it sounds. But basically, in situations like that, when someone is mean or behaves in a certain way to me, I step, I, I feel like, I think I'm stepping out of myself yeah. and saying, well, I'm all right. I mean, I'm all right. I'm a mm. bit, I'm angry, but like I've got my mental health stuff on in like roughly under control. Mm-hmm. So I'm all right. I mean, I'm okay. I'm not going to, like, I'm okay. Yeah. But if they did that to someone who was a bit like me, but worse, yeah. then then that would be completely fucking out of order. Mm. That could really damage someone. That could. And then I start getting really defensive and protective of that imaginary mental healthy person, <laughs> mentally unhealthy person, who I'm not. Mm. But who... And so I'm like, no, I, I've got to say something. You know, I can't just... I can't just leave... Because that's not fair. I can't have him thinking it's okay to just... He could have deflected. He could have said it was none of my business. He could have just fucking ignored the email. You're protecting other people if I'm protecting up. another Im- imaginary person. Yeah. So, um, so I, uh, I sent, uh, I sent him a, a long email saying that I was going through the, the assessment thing. Um, and I did say, I mean, I was honest and said, I don't think it's going to come to anything because the guy who did the assessment doesn't think there's anything up with me. Uh, but this is what I'm, pre- this is, this is like the, mm. the fact is I have these symptoms and behaviors that yeah. made me feel like I needed to do yeah. this. So, um, it actually, so then I was like, so, I don't actually think it's. I don't actually think that it's necessarily like true for me that I that me paying attention to what's going on around me in the office is a sign. Is something I do by choice to avoid doing work. Mm. They're like I can't help but do it. So, um, and then I got a, a, a long email back. Um, offering me any sort of support I needed and it was very nice and then that made me feel really self-conscious because he was being nice to me so then I sent a long one back saying oh no no I'm fine just uh I've worked here a really long time and like it's the one thing that does bother me is when I've got instincts or like it is when my instincts or insight on something that I I actually know about is just dismissed that's a a, a problem for me which is I, why most of the time I don't even do it it's a I, yeah but that's a trigger for everyone and I think mm. the, the biggest battle with the mental health condition is um, acceptance and mm. I, I think for you why I find the story about your non-diagnosis quite distressing is because at least once a diagnosis is there you can go up to someone and say right there's this and I need to arrange myself to allow me to manage mm. this now one of the things that I found really useful in my new job role and I've got a very understanding boss very nice colleagues who totally get it is um, I can you know they know that I've got anxiety and depression and they know that there will be days my boss in particular there's days when I need to pull the the, the escape lever <clears throat> and leave and he lets me take uh, leave a very short notice when I'm having days when the anxiety's taken mm-hmm. over and uh, and the walls are closing in and so forth and that happens more often than I'd like um, but I'm fortunate because he understands and I'm able then to communicate to him when I'm having a bad day, mm. when things are problematic. And he doesn't, you know, the work doesn't go away, but he manages him, excuse me, he manages himself accordingly, which is, uh, it's another point where it's funny. I had a, I had a quite a lot of catharsis this week, um, on uh, certainly as, as relates to my mental health and, and the year I had off work, mm-hmm. um, I got invited to give some feedback on my grievance process to our HR department, which was was really nice. I had about an hour with them, and the nicest thing about it was I was able to speak with such calm clarity about the process in a way that I'd never felt before. Um, so it, it was nice to be able to feel that focus and that calm. It was very pleasant i mean it it triggered a down the next day because mm. i got quite high from it and then i felt very low on the, the day after but you know then the breaks but one of the things we were discussing was how the the for me the planets as far as my, my mental health is concerned the planets aligned to allow me to now live a much happier and mm. and safer life as far as my mental health is concerned first of all i had to get a good gp and i've got a good gp who got me on a decent course of treatment um, both counselling and um, uh, drug related. Then I got put into a redeployment process at work 
where I found a job that suited me with a manager who acts with a great deal of understanding. Ended up being a role I now absolutely adore. It's I, Everything really had to line up in a way that I realised that I'm immensely privileged. Hmm. Um, from my point of view. Sorry, go on. No, no, you have to... Uh, when you use the escape uh, lever metaphor, mm. are you picturing like a, a, a hatch that drops out the bottom and you, you fall out of the office? Or does a pod close around your chair and you just get shooted out? It's the, like it's in a James the, Bond? It, yeah, it's the pod and then it's out through the roof. Right, okay, yeah. good. Because uh, this is important stuff. Uh, well, occasionally to... I like the picture of me being in an airship. Yeah. Um that would be if if I was to travel by air an airship would be my uh my my air travel of choice. If you were it's a shame it's a shame in a lot of ways that um you are more mental I mean it's not a sh- it's like it's not a coincidence that mm. you're more mentally healthy in your current work That's environment. Right. Uh but it's a shame you're not uh, off the rails more now than you were before okay, yeah. in your current location because they've got a helicopter there, haven't they? No, that's the other side of the hospital. But it's in roughly its walking distance, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. It so is. if you really lost it, yeah. you could steal a helicopter. That is true. That is true, you're correct. Although there used to be loads of buses near where you were before, so you could easily have run out of your office and stolen a number seven. The number seven stops out there because that's where I, I catch my bus. So um, you could run out and catch a number seven and go on a rampage, which would be even better because you can't you can't drive, can you? Well, not legally. And I, I don't think most of the people who drive the buses can either. But like, well, at least got speak, a bit of experience. Speaking as a cyclist, I can attest to that. <laughs> I assure you. But um, my my situation is the thing that the thing that I take. Uh, whenever Amy's been a little bit worried, uh, rightly been a little bit worried about me um, uh, letting letting on too much at work about it, because as much as like I always say, well, they're not allowed to. They're they're not allowed to um, uh, discriminate against me. They're mm-hmm. not allowed to treat me like badly if yeah. I've got a mental if I if I'm in, in this part in this process or whatever, and and and. I calm, I try and calm her down that way, knowing full well and knowing what she knows full well that it doesn't matter whether they're legally allowed to or not. Yeah. Places do, yeah. but like one of the things that's always in the back of my mind is all of the things I need to make my to get my shit under control at work mm. is stuff that anybody working in a professional working environment should mm-hmm. get. I'm not talking about respect or a soft touch or to be left alone or anything my job requires mm-hmm. that i'm available for people and it can get really like stressful because people need stuff yeah. like and they're stressed out when they come to us and stuff like that but like just simple if you're asked into a meeting because you have experience or perspective um and then you voice that perspective yeah. which i always try and do in as neutral a way as possible i've yeah. obviously got an opinion based on my experience and you know i'm still going to have bias or whatever yeah but if i'm called into a meeting to do that and the other people in the meeting just start arguing the toss with me when i don't have any authority anyway mm-hmm. you know it really doesn't matter if i'm convinced but i'm only going from my experience yeah. when people start arguing the toss with me about something that i know about and they don't know about that shouldn't happen as often as it does in a modern workplace especially if you've literally like i've normally been called in for my opinion Mm. i i don't need to be part of the conversation beyond that people don't have to agree with me but they don't have to try and argue the toss with me about it do you see what i mean yeah and so many of my exchanges at work start with someone asking me my opinion or my experience of something me telling them uh, because it helps with their job me telling them and then suddenly me being in a 20 minute conversation that it isn't going to benefit or it isn't ultimately going to benefit yeah. my day or my working practices mm-hmm. at all, but could really make me feel like shit because yeah. there's no need to be, there's no need for a conflict. I don't have any authority. So it's like, <clears throat> it's literally just them. Tr- I don't know, trying to make themselves feel more right or something. Yeah. It's very strange. And, and that's, and it strikes me that that is something that actually, even if, this stuff didn't make me anxious and stressed mm. out. Mm-hmm. I would would still really wind me up. Yeah. In fact, any if anything, from talking to the autism assessment guy mm-hmm. who said, "Oh, I wouldn't be as," but you know, I think you've handled 
when I talked to him about situations at work, mm. he said, oh, I don't think I'd be as patient with the people that you're at work with. I I, I looked at him and and thought, no, I think most people wouldn't be as patient with the people I work with, yeah. with, with the situations, some of the situations I work with. Then I was like, which tells me that people who don't have the same anxieties as I have in some ways would handle this stuff a little bit worse. Part of the reason I have to be patient yeah. with people is because, um, or or just deal with these situations, is because I have found that um, me kicking off against it or me letting it get on top of me is totally against what my employer expects of me or what my colleagues expect of me or whatever. Mm. If I if I flew off the handle at everything that makes me uncomfortable, mm. that would cause me huge problems in mm-hmm. the in the workplace and socially. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, it's difficult. Understanding shouldn't be the hardest commodity to come by at work and accepting that... I was going to say accepting everybody else's shit, but not letting other people rule your behaviour in the workplace. So, like, from your colleague's point of view... Obviously, there's an issue with regards to their personality versus yours. Now, I I never get why I try and be upbeat, optimistic, mm. and nice to everyone. I don't understand why that's so hard for seven and a half days, seven and a half days, seven and a half hours a day, just to suck it up and just be nice mm. to people. Why is it so difficult to do that? We're all going to have our bad days occasionally, but it's the consistency with which you're treated like an arsehole in your your line of work that I find baffling. It's really weird. It's um why would you get out of bed choosing to be that way? It's it's weird because it's it's people acting out their own insecurities. People who yeah. probably think they're they're perfectly mm-hmm. normal and reasonable. Yeah. Or maybe they realise they've got a bad temper or they're a bit mm-hmm. odd. Um There's but... nothing there's nothing I hate more than the uh, self confessed or self announcing straight talker. <laughs> That's one of my favourite least favourite things. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm a straight talker. I say it how I see it. It's like, oh, what you're really saying is, I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. I'm going to cause offence whenever I feel like it, and I'm announcing it, so you're just going to have to live with it. It's like, well, how, how's that? How's that? A reasonable way to... I think it's okay to say what you think as long as you do it in a consensual hmm. manner. Those people also don't see the point of labels. No. No, so, which... I've labelled myself a gobshite because <laughs> they, they always come from Yorkshire. <laughs> don't think they know my experience. Always, they always come A lot from of them Yorkshire. come from Hampshire. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's a Shire's. Maybe it's a Shire, Maybe it's right, a Shire yeah. thing. Yeah, because no one from London's like that. There's a few people from London like that, aren't they? They're I, all like that. I, tweet, I tweeted earlier in the week uh, that I don't know if it's a turning point that I've reached or if it's the world that's reached a turning point, but Two years ago, mm. I could not watch the. I could not be in a room with the Apprentice because all I could think about was yeah. these are the people who wrecked our economy. Yeah, these these are basically the mm. chances and the bankers and the yeah. big business people. That that's that's who these people are. I can't find them funny. I can't find their incompetence funny. Yeah. And uh, I I was sat in the same room as an, yeah. almost a whole episode the other day. Yeah. I didn't shout at the TV once. Well, Amy was Amy was very like happy because I think she was probably tense to me to lose my temper yeah. because I was just like I was just grateful that none of them were blaming anything on immigrants. That's <laughs> something. It was just close. they they actually seemed relatively benign. I was well, like, you failed this task. What's your excuse on this occasion? I think one of the. One of the women. I was giving you is, the opportunity to improvise, and Nick. Yeah, you but just, I don't. I can't do improvising. Blank, you just blanked out on me. You didn't know you? I can't. You're the improviser. I didn't on point, Alan Sugar. Then I had nothing. You're no Scott Ackerman. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. No Scott Ackerman. No. Well, I mean, or well, when you say Scott Ackerman, what you mean is uh, I'm no um, the the people who are much better at improvising that he has on his show as guests. Okay, so uh, who's the guy who does uh, Gino? You know, you know, no, I'm John, no him. John Grabbis or something? I'm not sure. Or, um, um, oh God, the guy, he's like one of the Beyond Belief. He's one of the two people in Beyond Belief as well oh. with Paget Brewster. He's on it like almost every week and he's amazing. And he's not Paul F. Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins. Oh no, Paul F. Tompkins is, is a deity that, that, yeah. that 
Sits if he's set apart. He sits astride us all. He's a, he's a god of improvisational I, comedy. I think, uh, if anything, yeah. and admittedly lowering our standards yeah. down mm. to this show and this, like, our version of what yeah. this is, I'm more Scott Aukerman than I am anyone else. No, I think you had it right for Scott Awkwardman. Awkwardman. I am. Yeah. I'm very Scott Awkwardman. Yeah. I can't do voices. No. I can, uh, I oh, can do, can. I can do, ca- I can do catchphrases. Um, I've let's decided. Have a, let's have a catchphrase. Just, just before you decided. Yeah. Uh, just before you decided that you didn't really want to do. We have issues regularly anymore. Okay. We haven't um, talked about that on the pod before. No, no. That's we pretty... could, we should talk about it this show, like, uh, and we'll talk about elephant words at the same time. Yeah, yeah. We'll, um, talk, we'll talk about it later. Um, and um, stay but, tuned. But just before I decided that one of my new catchphrases catchphrases were going to be, let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, and then in the toilet just now, I was thinking, I'm going to say that. I'm going to, because I said it on the yeah. podcast on We Have Issues this week to, yeah. to, to, to when I was talking to John. I have listened to it. I'm not on it. No. And um, I know. Uh, we all know that. It's fine. And uh, and and then I realised that isn't my catchphrase. I'm pretty sure it's Saddam Hussein off South Park. I'm ah. pretty sure that's something he's... Or, or someone like him. I'm pretty sure he says, let me finish, let me finish. No, it isn't. It's the Canadians in South Park. It's the Canadians in South Park, the movie. They're at the UN or something. And one of them's going, let me finish, let me finish. I finished. And that was going to be my new catchphrase. Uh, but then you stopped doing the so show. So a 15-year-old catchphrase. Yeah, yeah. But it's but like mm. I think enough time's passed that neo-millennials, so not actual millennials who've been around for a long time, but is the that, ones who've just been born. Is that the name of the uh, main protagonist in the Matrix reboot? Yes. Neo is there going to be a Matrix reboot? Well, no, I'm assuming there will be in the league it's actually bound, called Neo Millennial. Bound to be. Bound to be. But I don't know how, uh, I don't know how they'll translate the, um, I don't know how they'll translate the, uh, what's essentially the internet, the virtual world in that is basically the internet. I'm still baffled by, um, the bad press millennials get when, and I think we've been down this road before, but our, our generation, so Gen Xers, were like nihilistic hedonists. Yeah. We were assholes. Yeah, whereas like millennials seem as a whole, they seem like quite creative. They're like using the tools that they've been born with. Like, you know, I really like the creativity that you see on YouTube and Twitch and stuff like that. I I don't understand why everyone has to crap on them. They're much better than our generation were. Yeah, they're very depressed though, I think. Well, that's Understandably. because they've got to put up with us going, you're shit, and they go, look at you, all you did was tookies and feel sorry for yourselves. I think that's the least of it. I think the fact that they, they're they about to live in the Mad Max future. Well, they're, about, they're about to live underwater. I mean, so, yeah, so they're going to have to become... So, I'll tell you what. I bet underwater in racist society. I bet they're all hoping that David Attenborough's a, a aquatic ape theory is correct. Yeah, I bet they are. Hmm. See, I was blagging it then. Uh, Dave, sure. David, they... David Attenborough has been promoting his pet um, idea. He's got uh, a pet aquatic ape. He has got a pet. He got it uh, in a, from an advert in a comic. They never look like they do in the advert. <laughs> no, they never do. It comes uh, comes in a powder form, and he drank it, opening it would turn him into an aquatic ape. He's actually David Attenborough is actually only thirty, <laughs> but because he drank it, he looks old as uh, anything. Oh, that's our next door neighbour coming in. Why do you? Why do your fish need a? Bow. Oh, that door's an angry noise. Oh, to be fair, that is my neighbour's teenage son, so... So he might be being angry. Yeah, teenagers, that's how they close the, the door. Yeah, the aquatic ape theory is one that David Attenborough, it's much controversy, who's been exposing on Radio 4, where rather than growing up on the savannas of Africa, um, there is a theory that humans evolved uh, as seaside monkeys. See, I thought that sound... I thought we just thought that anyway. Do you, do you know, the, the, the most compelling the most compelling piece of evidence... I heard was uh, it's we're the only mammals apart from whales and dolphins that have subcutaneous fat, and right? That, and that appealed to me because I'm full of it. I'm full of subcutaneous fat, and I love a bath. I thought that the most uh, convincing argument I've mm. ever seen is I'm sure I've seen an animation where like newts grew legs, yeah, and then they crawled out of the they got a bit more bigger. And yeah. then they crawled out. I suppose they were newts. Fucking newts. You think we evolved from newts? You think newts was the original animal that... Uh, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Well, I don't know. I'm just... Why Sorry, do they need that purring fish? noise? It's, they've got a purring noise. Oh, it's a pump. It's so they can... Actually, do you know, now you've said it, I've noticed that uh, although the pump is going... 
there appears to be no um, no air coming out of their air tube, which is slightly worrying. So we could just switch off the life support for the duration of this. We could. Shall I go and turn off their life support? Yeah, yeah. It's all right. We've only got... Um, for those who are, are checking in, uh, I could, would you like to know how many listeners we've currently got? I bet none. One. Who is it? Is it you? I don't know. But how well, your phone's it, plugged it in. Might, it might be, but if you're if you're our, our one listener, please do do um, hit me up on Twitter uh, at James Mom the- and let me know you're the listener, and we'll maybe do some tailored content to you. So if you're our listener and you've got access to Twitter, um, tweet at me. Tell me what you'd like us to talk about, or maybe we'll do a conversation about. <laughs> I'll do the admin while you're over there. You, you, yeah, you keep going. I'm going to go. This and- is uh, this is two grown men. Do- Dot com. No, that's not right. This is Two Grown Men, the podcast about... God, I don't fucking know. I mean, you've probably got a sense of what it's about by now. Um, you can listen to all of our previous episodes at twogrownmen.net. That's the number two, uh, grownmen.net. Or you can subscribe to us at your uh, podcatcher of choice. I don't think there is another Two Grown Men podcast, whereas there are about seven We Have Issues podcasts. Yeah, you did a cracking job um, coming up with that. <laughs> To be fair, at least one of the most prominent one happened after after we started. So yeah, we're gonna sue them. Yeah, E Online have a We Have Issues show. Yeah. So um, uh, you can uh, uh, yeah listen to us, rate and review us at your podcatcher of choice, and you can talk to us on Twitter at Two GM Pod or at Nick Site. I am at Nick Site. James is at James Mumb. Um, he's just took another hit of his oxygen because his lungs are failing. It's tragic. Really. I'm doing my vape. It's good. I'm going to go back. So I've plugged it back in, but the bubbles still aren't coming back. So I'm really worried about the fish. All right. Okay. He's got to get oxygen to his fish. It's very confusing. I don't think I really understand. Uh, 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 you can <laughs> you can support us at Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash TOTP. Or next week, part of the reason we are on Mixler right now is we're testing live, out. Live, live. We're testing out for um for the uh twenty four hour Twitter comic twenty sixteen, which you can find out more about at um uh, justgiving dot com forward slash fundraising WHI. Justgiving dot com forward slash fundraising forward slash WHI. Doesn't my link work as well though? Nope. I think it does though. Well whatever. Right. It, it might, you know, it might just be, it just might be my Mixler thing hanging there because no one's tweeted me. So. See, I have. Well, I mean, given time, yeah, that's true. But I've just worked out there's another problem to recording live. I thought the biggest problem to recording live would be accidentally saying something inappropriate mm. about someone right. or something, yeah, or like uh, some or or just like having a, a brain fart and not being able to think of anything to say which I still worry about even though we never have that problem yeah it hasn't happened um, yet I'm worrying about it quite a lot for next week but I mean you'll be fine yeah. but um only 24 hours of it but the on. um the the uh, other problem is people not listening I don't need that I don't need that instant yeah. feedback I don't need that sort of instant but to be feedback. fair we only gave people like uh, 15 minutes warning that we were doing it because so. how are you going to if it, if after the first couple of hours there's no one mm. are you going to just keep going or are you going to start getting like is it going to be like um on reality shows where they keep upping the stakes are you going to say uh uh dave looks like he's going to die while he's doing the podcast tune in live to hear it happen no i'm going to keep i'm going to keep teasing the return of a character that um used to turn up when we have issues occasionally and hope that's enough to draw i imagine that'll have a broad enough appeal that people are really oh everyone everyone loves him i am i uh, was listening to Faithless on the way over here. I wanted to talk about this. Um, oh, the um, the dance the dance group. They're sort of trip hop, I suppose. And I, know, I never cared for them. I quite like them, mm. although there there there's more filler than thriller. Yeah. On this album, but I do quite like it. But I, I, was, I always thought, sorry, that they were um, had greater importance. They they seem to the they seem to be kind of media darlings, and I don't think that they were. Maybe they were. Well, they seem. They definitely seems to be I'm quite really, prominent. I'm really preoccupied by that fish tank, but it does seem to be bubbles coming up the tube now. So I think they'll be all right for a, a while. Though, They're pretty they? hardy goldfish. Anyway, sorry, gone hardy har the hardy boys, um, faithless. So they were. Um, I was listening to this song, and it's called "I Want My Family Back." I've listened to it a couple of times in the last couple of weeks and I remember it and it's good and it's kind of a 
this guy talking about how when he's a kid he, he lived on Lonely Street uh, which um, is just down the road from where Del Boy and Rodney Trotter live. I thought it was just down the road from the Heartbreak Hotel. No, no. Um, oh, no, that's in a different town. There's oh. more. There's one in every town. Uh, like like uh, London like S- Road. And Savile, Savile Close and stuff like that. Although <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of those are being renamed. Now then, now then. But um, the, the uh, yeah, it's Lonely Street. It's, it's just around the corner from... from um, uh, Hookie Street. Hookie Street. Oh, yeah. long live Hookie Street. So, um, <laughs> that's actually one of the lyrics, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, uh, uh, so this guy's talking and he's talking about how when he was little and his parents, like, were clearly they had problems and that was sad. And then he talks about when he was older and he was, he was, uh, he was a rubbish, uh, partner and, and so his relationship broke down. And then he gets older and older and older. And then I was listening to the last verse just as I got here. And I haven't had a chance to get to the lyrics because this is hot off the presses. This is a hot potato. Okay. <coughs> only hot 20 topic. years. Only 20 years late or however long ago that album came out. And um, I'm pretty sure that in at least one verse, mm. he's a fucking house. Oh. It's a house talking about how it's lonely. It's actually at number 53 Lonely Street. Oh, wow. And it doesn't want to be a crack house anymore. It used to have families in it. It wants mm. its. And, and the lyric is, I want my family back in the chorus each time but it means it actually wants a family that lived in it back and I was like and for a few seconds I was thinking has the whole thing been about a fucking house what? do you think it's um, a sequel to Crosby, Stills and Nash's hit Our House maybe maybe it's about is that what the guys in Madness are called what's Suggs's real surname Mr Suggs well then didn't they do Our House yeah, they did a song called Our House as is well. Is it a cover version of the Crosby, Stills no, and Nash one? No, Our House is a very, very nice house with two cats in the yard, things used to be so Is that hard. called Our House? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Because the Madness song is definitely called Our House. Let, let me have Our a look. house in the middle of our street. They've got the middle house, which... Would the middle house be worth more? I suppose it's, I it's think further en- from... No, the- I think end terrace is worth more. But if you're on an end terrace... That's really bad because you're right on two roads. At least one of those is going to be quite a busy road. If you've got kids or pets, you're not going to want to be there, are you? What if you're in a cul-de-sac? Oh, no, good point. No, Mm. that's even worse, isn't it? Why? What would you call the last house uh, The last house in a cul-de-sac? The last house. But it's not an end terrace, is it? I don't know. Um, uh, The the terminal house? The terminal house. Yeah. (laughs) All the estate agents would be wondering why they can't sell it because they've always yeah. got them advertised as terminal house. Like, terminal it's, the, house. It's, the, it's got the biggest yeah. garden. There's room for a swimming yeah. pool no, it's, there. it's called our house. If you look on Google Maps, there is um, a house. In New Orleans. No, there's a, there's a house the off one of our roads, yeah. off one of the roads down the road from us. Yeah. There's a house that's just on one of the normal little streets mm. uh, that looks like a normally innocuous little street. Nice enough houses, but they're more like little cottages. Mm. We we looked at one. And it's got a fucking great swimming pool in the back of it. Oh, wow. Well, I can't even work out where it could fit, looking at how all of the... <laughs> and sometimes I walk the dogs around there, mm. and I'm like trying to work out whose mm. house could possibly have the swimming pool in. Do you think they've created like one of these uh, sort of fields like they do in Star Trek, where they've warped space and time? So. Maybe. Yeah, and the, they've managed... the swimming pool's actually bigger than the space it fills, but um, it actually uh, occupies multiple dimensions. Have we have we got uh, any listeners at the moment? Because I need an answer to the next One. thing I'm going to say. And no, is it I still, still you? Think, I, no, well, I've turned it off, but I think it might be. I think listener. I think listener. I think Mixler just sort of listens to you automatically to make you feel less alone. Maybe. Oh, okay. Well, I'm good. sorry we're putting so much pressure on you, one listener, if you are listening. <laughs> but so. Um, you, you know, there's. Uh, I only know this because of an episode of The West Wing. Oh, two. Hello. But, like, um, I only know this because of an episode of The West Wing, but uh, that the maps that we all look at mm. are not right. Like the global, the globes and everything that we look at. Oh, is this a conspiracy? Like uh, the, the use of a legal name is illegal, like that sort of thing. No, no, no. It's it's literally like in maps that are sold in this country, mm. in world maps that are sold in this country. Mm. It, it, you can tell just by just by glance 
that Great Britain is always bigger than it yeah. actually geographically I, I is. I saw that Facebook post too. It's quite yeah. interesting. Most of it comes from uh, most most people only really know about it because they talk about it in an episode of The West Wing. And so he, he makes some point. Uh, the guy makes some point about how it should all be the other way around anyway. But that like the maps that we all have um, disproportionately uh, like value. They give more land mass to Europe. The, to Europe and, and North America, and like much less to the um, everything below the yeah. So, um, which you kind of understand why, but mm. like isn't particularly helpful. But Google Maps, when mm. you look at it in the satellite view, mm. does the same thing, and I don't understand how that can even work. Well, because Google's a North American um, organization, no, so they're I, happy I, to. I understand why they do it, but if yeah. it's just from a satellite. Mm. How do they still? How does it still distort the size of some places because, if it's just like a photo? Well, what they do, they reverse the polarization and then they um, create a distortion field around Europe and North America. Right. I've been watching a lot of Star Trek Voyages. So okay, I'm pretty good. Sure about that, how that works? Have you been listening? Have you been reading the um, the posts on the Geek Syndicate site? I don't read. You'd love them. Oh, good. What he's doing is, as a man. I don't know mm. his name, and I think he writes under a pseudonym, so my normal uh, name, blindness, isn't even a bad thing. Stop to... looking, there are bubbles. Yeah, but not as many as there should be. I'm now con- You've caused me to be concerned about my fish. Um, and um, uh, Which is weird, because I was just being passive-aggressive about the noise. All right. Well, I've cleared but, the noise up. So, it is a lot better. Thank so, uh, basically, what he's doing is, uh, and I think he's mainly doing this to keep things interesting... But he's watching all of the first episodes of them and writing about them. Um, uh, and then he's watching all what of the we, second episodes of the Star Treks. The originals? Well, no, all of them. So he watched, he watched, he watched and wrote about in sequence. He mm. watched the first episode of uh, the original series and then the first episode of The Next Generation and the first episode of Deep Space Nine and then the first episode of Voyager okay. and then the first episode of Enterprise. And he watched them, uh, like that. And he concurrently, not all at the same time. One okay. after the other. <laughs> but like, so, and he wrote about each of them and kind of compared them to each other, but each one had its own post. Mm. Um, I've only read the Encounter at Farpoint one mm-hmm. because that's the show I really know the best probably is Next Gen. Mm. Um, and cause that, that's what happened to be released on the day when I had the time. Cause like I said, it's been really busy at work, which is where I kind of, but they are quite long reads. But the amount of depth he goes into, and it's like all about thematic choices that are made in the way it's filmed, and how you're always going, mm. you're, the, the camera's always panning up to the Enterprise or something, because yeah. it's like, um, um, uh, it's aspirational and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And some of it, I think a lot of people, I think it's the sort of thing that most people will read and go, he's overthinking it, isn't he? I don't went into all that thought. Mm. Um, but, f- but fuck that attitude. Because that's the sort of thing I like reading. Sorry for listening with children around, by the way, listener. I think we've sworn loads. Yeah, no, we? I, I was, I dove into the swear pot way earlier than you did. Yeah, so, um, so it's worth reading. I don't, I think, and he does very little. Com- he, he kind of compares, compares it to the other episodes he's watched around yeah. there. But his, I, I think, I think the premise is he's going to be grading them against each other, mm. but there's very little of that in there, which is why I was sort of all right with it. Cause yeah. I don't really understand that process because the voyages are really different. The good thing about the Star Trek series, I think mm. is that for the most part, all of the modern ones, he says talking about the ones that started in like 1989 or whatever, <laughs> but all of the modern ones, kind of each one does its own thing. Yeah. So even though they might have certain episodes that, that are very similar to each other mm. and all of them have their version of a bottle episode and all of them have like their holodeck episodes and stuff like that, the enter- the, the the next generation has a very different... The show has a very different mission statement from Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. and covers very different things. And Voyager, if anything, reflects... Um, the original series more than the way Janeway does things mm-hmm. normally by necessity um, ends up accidentally being a lot more like Kirk than Picard. She's much more um, uh, instinctive. Pragmatic. Yeah, much more pragmatic, much yeah. more instinctive, much less um, like uh, philosophical and yeah. And um, and so it ends up feeling a lot more like the original series. Mm-hmm. And I, 
Although it's interesting because they, I think they set it where they set it so that they could have more of a feeling of discovery because uh, Deep Space Nine and Next Generation ended up dealing with Klingons and Ferengi and they had their, they had their yeah. races that they dealt with a lot. And I think the plan was, we aren't going to know what we're going to find on all of these planets yeah. and stuff like that. But they started bringing in... Yeah, but Alien of the, Alien of the Week is always Alien of the Week, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I'll tell you what Voyager does, is t- tells some... Because it was probably the last... Because Deep Space Nine transitioned into box set TV towards yeah. the end. Whereas Voyager, I'm up to Series 6 now... Series five in particular, stuff full of superb episodes, really standalone ones, yeah, all done in one. Yeah, I mean, there's some two parters, but I think actually once seven of nine joins, it gets a little bit more enjoyable. All right. Found its way. The first two or three seasons, I can take or leave, but the later Voyager, I'm really, really enjoying. Well, because it's interesting because, like, there are obvious jokes about that. Oh, James. Yeah, did it get more interesting once Seven of Nine turned up, did it? Did it? Because she was supposed to be the introduction of real sex appeal to the show, wasn't she? But actually... But actually, she's really interesting. She is a genuinely intriguing character that, with her and the Doctor, stories involving the both of them ask really interesting questions about the nature of existence, what it is to be a human being, all of that sort of thing. Because each show has had that in it, but never two of them. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, Seven of Nine's more complicated in so much as, well, she is a human, but she's experienced life as a ball, whereas yeah. the Doctor is just a holographic life form. But yeah, it, it, that's been the springboard to quite a lot of philosophical um, storylines, which I, I find really intriguing and genuinely tear-jerking um, episodes as well. <laughs> a really interesting one um, I watched recently called Warhead where they uh, meet what is essentially a missile that um, has been given artificial intelligence, um, but lost part of its memory. So it di- uh, initially doesn't know that it's a weapon. It's, and it's a really intriguing um, story. That seems really familiar from some science fiction comedy thing, but I can't remember, I can't remember what. Oh, it's almost certainly been tried somewhere else in so, some other way. So you've got... Because that's basically Spock's that character in the first one. Yeah. Next generation, it's Data. Mm-hmm. I guess it's Odo in the. I guess third one, in Deep Space Nine. So yeah, so the two of them. I remember the Doctor being a really good. Like he's just a mm. bit. Uh, he's just presented as a bit of a dick in the first few episodes. Yeah. That's basically his character, mm-hmm. but it, it turns out that he has more humanity yeah. just by accident, just because of the way he's played. He develops really, yeah, in a really yeah. satisfying way, actually. Did you watch? Um, have you had a chance to watch Westworld yet? Not yet. No. It's I interesting. Will. It's it's. I think it's. I think it's probably worth a watch. I the. I'm just getting grumpy about. So I was a bit worried uh, before I came over, and I get a bit worried when um, when I'm about to record. We have issues at the moment because I'm starting to feel so checked out of. Um, and unenthusiastic about not so much the TV and the not so much the TV and the films and the comics, but like just the world of it, having an opinion about any of yeah. it. Just, and I know you've kind of checked out of that a little bit before, but it's sort of uh, cri- critique and uh, critique and criticism um, and overthinking it is something that I really love, and it's I well, feel it's kind of been spoiled a little bit. The phrase overthinking it is one that we've discussed at great length as being a phrase that both of us hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and like whenever someone makes something, the, the the other version of that is whenever someone's made something cool, mm. the immediate response by so so many people is, well, someone had a lot of time on their hands. As yeah. if there's a, as if like watching EastEnders would mm. have been a more... Yes, and I was filling it with this, now piss off. Yeah, well, watch it, watching EastEnders and feeling sad about it mm. is like a more uh, worthwhile use of one's time but um but i was watching westworld and i was thinking and there are like it is another one of those shows where people are being super positive about it yeah but almost can't help but comment on it by slagging off other things or just slagging off tv in general yeah and there were a few points where i was like well but there's a lot of stuff that just didn't really make sense to me yeah and 
I think that you would have been less like that's the sort of stuff that people normally pick up on if they don't yeah. like something. But at the same time, whenever anyone's positive about something and I look at it and I like it, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm thinking and wanting to comment about it. But yeah. then, like, around 70% of the time, I will tweet. And then 30% yeah. of the time, I'll just think better of it. Um, I was watching it thinking, most of you fuckers who are saying how much you love this pilot are going to be nowhere in five episodes' time. Because mm-hmm. you're going to get bored the second everything doesn't resolve itself in three episodes. Like, I just know it. I already know it. The only show I've seen, the only show I've seen recently, which has seemed immune to that mm. was The Leftovers. And, um, I suspect that that's only because I don't think it's got a huge audience. Mm-hmm. That's one of the only shows I've seen where all, the audience just seems willing to let it mm. just wash over them. Did you, um, how long did you stick with Preacher? I ended up watching the whole thing. Okay. But re- kind of resenting it. I um I really enjoyed the first one, mm-hmm. um, but I checked out immediately just because it once I realised that it wasn't going to follow the story that closely. I, I kind of realised it's like well I'm just going to be watching this, and slowly but surely the disappointment that I'm not seeing the same story I've already read played out is going to get to me. I'm not sure I want to see these characters. Yeah these characters served a story I love beautifully in a comic book. I didn't really then see the point of watching them in a story that I I, I didn't think I would be able to enjoy because Mm. of the, I think, I think Preacher possibly was a series that maybe you needed not to have read the comic book almost to get more out. Yeah, maybe to come in with a completely open mind. The thing is as well, that perhaps more than almost any other comic writer or even comic team, actually, because Steve Dillon's art doesn't exactly make the most of... You know, there's that thing, oh, you can have as big a budget as you want in a comic, yeah. but Steve Dillon's art isn't one of those... He's very, very good at dialogue, and like he's very, very good at having characters in, in a fairly static space mm-hmm. talking to each other, which yeah. is good, yeah. which is a, th- a thing in its own right, but like more than almost any other comic in recent years... Um, Preacher already seems like fit for TV or film. Yeah. Like you, you don't really, I don't think you'd really need, people say that about Frank Miller comics mm. about how it's practically already storyboarded. Yeah. But actually I think in that it's like, well, no, if you're going to, if you're going to put it in a medium where mm. you've got actors saying these things, well, you don't really need to stray very mm-hmm. much from Garth Ennis's script. I don't think, but I thought I found it a bit puzzling though. I I, I genuinely think this: if you were going to go for a property from the nineties, a cult, a cult comic hit of the nineties, I would have thought Transmet would have made a much more interesting playground. It'd be so expensive though. Would it? Literally com- everything com- in it would be an effects shot. Compared it? to compared to other effects laden TV shows, you think about you know Star the Star Treks and so forth. I don't I don't know whether it would be that expensive in this day and age. And actually, transmit would probably work in the current political landscape. Yeah, well, to oh, make yeah, really for sure. interesting satirical points, but for sure. No, I think I think you're right, but I think uh, um, that would be you'd be comparing that more with something like The Expanse or something, which sure. are actually those sorts of shows. I imagine Preacher. I, although there are although there are a lot of effects in it, I imagine Preacher was something that they could bring in relatively cheap. For what it was, yeah, I guess it's um, it's interesting, and I, I, it's really, really difficult to separate. Um, I suspect that if I wasn't constantly comparing it with the, mm. the comic a little bit, yeah, um, I might have. I I could see huge problems with it as a TV show as well. Okay, like if I didn't if I didn't have a reason to stick around and see how they handled certain stuff. Because I quite liked, once I came to terms with the fact after the first second couple of episodes, that A, all of the people who were annoying me by saying, and there were lots of people I love who were doing this, by saying, that was perfect, that first episode was perfect, and it really captured the, it really captured the nature of the, no, 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 because I didn't think. I I genuinely thought it captured the spirit. I didn't know of the book. I didn't know that you said that. I might I have been really more did. careful about. No, I, I did, but that's fine. It was something that lots of people said. Yeah, and um, and it wasn't what I felt at all sure. because I felt I felt like um, the actual 
although what the although what the comic did over the whole run included some pretty intense stuff the delivery of it is actually quite mm. clipped or like quite I, I always felt it was quite down to earth in a okay. weird sort of a way sure so which the which the first episode of like wasn't really um dominic cooper was remained a bad choice like i just don't think he's a strong enough actor i wasn't i was i didn't warm to him over the course of what the character show did he, play? he was jesse custer and i didn't warm to him at all whereas tulip and um uh uh, Cassidy. Tulip and Cassidy, I, I thought were really, really good in the, like, as TV characters, yeah. they were really, really good. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but, um, it's just, I, I found it much easier to watch did once you, everybody else checked out. Did you find, I, I applaud the casting choices they made with Tulip, but did it confuse you as much as I did that Tulip, was the only character who didn't look almost exactly like the character from the comic book. Yeah. So it's so, oh well done. No, you've 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 cast a, a minority female actress actor. Mm. Brilliant. Well done. That's that's yeah. really good. But the other two guys are uh, uh, white dudes who look exactly, look exactly the exactly same. same. A couple a couple of times through the course of the show. Mm. A couple of times through the course of the show, I was very. It beca- I became really really conscious of the fact that I'm pretty sure Tulip and her uncle are the only black characters in the whole thing, not including the uh, the people in the African church that was in Africa mm. in the first episode. Yeah. Um, Tulip and her uncle. Her uncle is a deadbeat drunk. He never says anything. You never actually... I, I didn't like, see deep enough into the series to meet him. He was... No, he's in He's in the first episode, but he's is on he? a couch. Yeah, you don't oh, really... Right. like. Okay. He, you never, he say, never says anything. He's mm. basically just a prop. Um, a, a drunk... A drunk, old, useless uh, black mm. dude. So her and her uncle are, I think, the only black characters. Mm-hmm. And yet, the whole way through, I don't think it really gets commented on. It's set in the South. Yeah. And she's the only black character in it, but it never really gets commented on that mm. she's in it. Yeah. So it seems like one of those things where, I mean, it's kind of good. I'm sure there are situations where mm. race doesn't come up if you're the only black person in the whole town. Mm. But it just, it just seemed sort of... Um, well, then it appears tokenistic. Yeah, it's very, it's very. I mean, it's strange, but she's such a good actress. Like her and oh no, absolutely, it's great casting. Fact, but it's it was um, everything else around it seems timid in comparison. There's this there's this weird thing going on where she and Cassidy are really good big characters. Yeah, and then everyone else in the town is really good, like town set drama actors they all do a really good job of mm. what they're given and they um and they're they're in a much more restrained small town america uh show yeah and so then there's cassidy and uh cassidy and tulip mm-hmm. um and jesse custer's in the same story as those two but like is not as good an actor but like i the, the show became so much easier for me to watch when all of the people almost all of the people because i know david win i think stuck out the whole thing so as well. many people but everyone everyone was talking about that pilot mm. and everyone was so gushing about it like yeah. loads of people were and had those people stuck around and carried on commenting on each episode yeah. i think i wouldn't have enjoyed it because there'd be too much for me to disagree with yeah. but i could just watch it on my own because like i could watch it and enjoy it on my own because that there were no opinions on the internet for me to go, but I respected you. How could you have that opinion? It's dumb. This th- show is dumb. I think of all the people I know, uh, the phrase "hell is other people" uh, applies more strongly to you. Yeah, yeah. Any other? Look, we've only got about ten minutes left, Nick. Right. What do you want to talk about? Um, what, do you want to talk about our children? As this is two grown men, and it's a podcast about family life. Uh, yeah. Um, yes. How is? You see, it's funny. I, I feel like you got a full week's worth of Scarlet in the ten minutes before they left. Just <laughs> she was on one. That one is kind of what she's like all the time. Although she was right. in hysterics, I think throwing someone else in. So you being here, yeah, and um, us shooting nerfs at each other, am- yeah, amped up her silliness without yeah. a shadow of doubt. But uh, Nikki and I have been cleaning quite a lot this morning, so she's kind of just been sitting around watching her parents cleaning as well. So she had a lot of pent up. But yeah, she was sassing me quite a lot, wasn't she? Yeah, she keeps she calling enjoyed... you James at the moment. Yeah, she but that's calls... not even your name. 
No, isn't it? What? I, um, yeah, she enjoys to sass me, but it's fine. I I quite like it. It's kind of amusing. It's usually sort of well-meaning and low level. Although you did notice that all the time she was calling me James, I was refusing to acknowledge her. I think that's the right, the right choice. Yeah, I'm not going to make a big deal about it, but I'm not going to say yes. Is she having a good time? She seems, she seems like a very happy little girl at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, She's enjoying school. Um, She's got lots of after-school activities she's enjoying now. So beavers on a Monday, swimming on a Thursday, gymnastics on Saturday. So, yeah, she's got tons going on in her life. Yeah, she seems quite happy. Does she do... I mean, maybe maybe bedtimes are a little bit... are going to be completely different for you by now. But, like, there's this thing that Noah does where... I think part of it is he doesn't want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think he is, like... I, I think either the dark or being left on his own is really bugging him at the moment and where i have the intercom thing with me the monitor until like at 12 o'clock 1 a.m and between 12 o'clock and 1 a.m in the morning he does wake up quite often for a few seconds and seem quite distressed and then go back to sleep so i think there's i think you know he's got some some anxiety about night time which i suspect they all do Mm -hmm. um but partly because he doesn't want to go to sleep he'll start using delaying tactics at bedtime okay but one of his delaying tactics is he wants to do talking. So you tell him you tell him his story or whatever he wants to do. Sometimes it's telling a story of the toys. Sometimes it's reading him a book. Yeah. Um, and then he'll you'll do your good night talk. We have like a little uh, script. It's not really a script, but we have this little thing we say to him at bedtime. We've we've workshopped it. Yeah, we've worked a few months to it, and we're happy so, with it now. So we switch the we switch the light off and all that stuff. And at that point, he wants to do more talking. He wants yeah. to do some talking. Talk okay. to me, he'll say. Yeah. And we don't walk away from him while he's distressed. So um, I I will normally go and sit with him. And at that point, although it starts out as de- delaying tactics, sometimes he'll literally say two or three things, okay. like just a couple of sentences. And then he'll just turn around and turn around and close his eyes, and it's clear that he just needed that little. Yeah. Like, but sometimes he'll be talking for ages, mm. and it's like he's quite chatty the rest of the day, mm-hmm. but never as chatty as he is then when he's processing through the whole day. And you can really get him to like engage. Yeah. With the lights out, with no distractions, when it's time for him to go to sleep, um, and it's difficult because. I'm constantly trying to get things to wind down to the point where I can say goodnight. Yeah. But at the same time, I could fucking listen to him for hours. Oh, yeah. I could happily just sit there chatting to him. Um, And he does this thing at the end, like, normally because I've said, okay, well, I've got to go now. And, you Mm. know, that was three things. I've got him... I tend to get him wound down to three things. Um, But uh, where he'll say, that was good talking... Brilliant. Which is just brilliant. That was good talking, wasn't it, yeah. Daddy? Like, yeah, it was good talking, which I just think is wonderful. But the question I've got, why aren't we recording this for a podcast? I, mean, it's... <laughs> I don't, because I've, I've, I actually have had, um, I actually have thought about, now, could I, if, but if I switched my phone on to record anything, it yeah. would just serve as a distraction. Yeah, of course. So then, he's too unreliable at the moment. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, with Scarlett, you can pretty much be sure if you schedule a time yeah. and sit her down, yeah. she will happily talk to you in a focused way for 18 minutes. I can get, I can get 15 <laughs> to 20 minutes out of her. And that is, 20 minutes is our absolute maximum. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't do that with Noah. He'd be too distracted to by the media. To be fair, though, if you've ever listened to me doing solo bolo, I mean, 20 minutes is about as much as I can yeah, do. Yeah, I think it? Yeah. for most people, not yeah. me necessarily, but for no. me, I kind of, I, part of the reason the previous episode was just me reading a story, yeah. reading a couple of stories, was because I kind of want to capture, I, I want to capture Noah responding yeah. to us reading one of his books that he knows quite well. Mm. Um, but it's too difficult to record it. But that's what put the idea in my head. And to be fair, you know, one of the things about this podcast was it was about capturing our thoughts and feelings as we were going through the process mm. of bringing up our children. Mm. Just after, if you've only just started listening, maybe it was yeah. just after uh, Noah was born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Scarlett had been about for a few years, but I couldn't be bothered to capture any of my feelings <laughs> those early years. To be fair, it had just been a study in terror. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, 
Max has been good too. Good. I feel like I. Yeah, but he's the second one. You don't try so hard, do you? We should um, probably think about um, saying goodbye at this point because I've decided that I want to bring this in uh, on a uh, on time in a arbitrary manner. Good. That sounds yeah. good. How that long have we good. been talking for? Uh, about an hour. Oh, that's about I've right. Been, been recording for about an hour. Um, okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you um, uh, to our live listeners. Thank you to our not live listeners. Um, the Twitter comic 2016 will be on air from about 9.30 on the Saturday morning of the 14th. I think it is. Uh, you can find that broadcast at mixler.com forward slash Twitter hyphen comic hyphen 2016. Yes. Um, also, you can donate to our Just Giving page at justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash WHI. And you can find two grown men um, all the places that Nick told you about earlier. The uh, <clears throat> the Just Giving page is where you're putting the most, like, that seems to be the best place for information about it at the that moment. That tends to be the best place for information about the, the live Twitter comic. It's worth bearing in mind, listener, that at this point in time, mm-hmm. you should look up David Wynn's art, but at this point in time, mm-hmm. the Twitter comic is probably the only chance you're going to get to get him to draw something that you thought of for free. Yeah, David is because he's in oh, demand. Hey, and he's not open for commissions either. So, nope. um, yeah, that's that to look forward to. I think this has gone okay, don't you? Swimmingly, swimmingly. Do you think so? I'm very happy. What is this? What is this? That is an equestrian girl, Nick. But she's is she meant to be a pony? It's My Little Pony. So uh, the Equestria Girls story happens in an alternate reality where the ponies are kind of anthropomorphised. In fact, they're kind of anthropomorphised anyway. And yes, they all wear high heels and have really weird tippy-toe You can tell feet. how bad the t- the high heels are for yeah, their feet. Yeah, they're terrible. Hell of a thigh gap. Hell of a you thigh can see, gap. Right, I can look through that thigh gap at you. Jesus Christ, Nick. I think now is probably the time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Nick. Bye-bye, Nick. I feel a bit giddy. And we're off it. Sounds like he's giving a little fart. I wonder who texted me. I feel a bit giddy with you running things. It's quite good.